Good to see all of you. Hope you're excited to worship God this morning and continue our study on freedom. Let's just go ahead and see, say the word. Freedom together. No, now like Mel Gibson did in Braveheart. Okay? Freedom! You know, it's a blessing in this, this uh, time of the year to celebrate freedom. We live in a country that believes in freedom. And we've been talking a lot about it all month long in our Freedom Series. But you know, what would it be like to live in a country that's free and yet still be enslaved and tied down? Wouldn't that be a tragedy? You know, that's what we're going to talk about today. Many people live still as not either slaves, they've lost their freedom, because of this issue that we're going to be talking about, freedom through forgiveness. This is, and we're going to talk about that this morning. You know, the Bible, the Bible deals with a lot of things. It speaks of many things. It speaks about history. It speaks about science. It speaks about romance. And it speaks about prophecy. But you know, the Bible has a main message. And there are three main messages that the Bible communicates. If you want to, uh, uh, you know, kind of pulling the Bible together, all of it together in one. Three words. Anybody tell me what those three main focuses there are in the Bible? I've hit it before in another lesson. No, not faith, hope, and love. Sorry, that's a good try. That's the Scripture. That's an awesome Scripture in the Bible. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, that's a great Scripture. Faith, hope, and love. Okay, there are main messages and focuses in the Bible. Anybody help me out? Primary focuses. Redemption. Somebody said it. Somebody was paying attention in one of my lessons. Still, still got it. Still remembers. Redemption. Redemption's huge. This is what God wants to do with all mankind. To redeem us. To redeem the world. And then number two is righteousness. Righteousness. And then number three, anybody? Relationships. You knew it. Relationships. If you want to understand the Bible, it's these three main areas that the Bible wants to communicate to mankind and to you. Redemption, righteousness, and relationships. This is what the Bible can teach you. And God wants to redeem us into a right relationship with Him. Most important relationship we have in our lives. You know what that is? Our relationship with God. From that relationship, everything else pulls together and holds together. But without that relationship, you go back to being a slave, lost, chained down, hindered. And today we want to focus on how to learn how to be free. It's an education. It's a life education. And I believe for some people this could be a game changer. And if you're going to teach your, your, your children something, parents, teach them the grace and the power of forgiveness. Because it will determine who they are and how they live. And so we're going to hit this today. But before we begin... 
Let's take a look at our, a parrot. You know, even animals need forgiveness. The forgiven parrot. This woman, she, she bought a parrot as a pet. And this parrot was already trained. Could already speak. But it was a bad parrot. This parrot would treat her really bad. Would peck at her hand when she tried to pick him up. And say, would say bad things to her. Ugly things. Insulted her every time that she picked the parrot up. One day she got fed up with the bad parrot. As it was insulting her as she picked him up. She said, you're, the parrot said, you're ugly. I can't stand you. And she said, that's enough. Went to the freezer, opened the freezer, threw the parrot in the freezer. Shut the door. And for about five seconds, the parrot was still raging. You know, you're this and you're that and you're this and you're that. And then after about five seconds, everything went quiet. And she started to feel guilty. Oh no, I've killed the parrot. So she opens the freezer door and you know how the the smoke comes out, the the frost comes out, and she reaches in, she grabs the parrot. And then the parrot said, I'm very sorry. I apologize for my bad behavior. Please forgive me. I promise you that there will be no more of that. From now on, I will be a good parrot. I will encourage you, I will respect you, and I won't peck you one more time. And the woman said, okay, I forgive you. Apology accepted. Now the parrot, can I ask one more question? She said, okay. What did that chicken do? See, even animals need forgiveness. But there are consequences for bad behavior. All right, let's get back to our message. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is central to Scripture. And we're going to look at three areas this morning. Our need to receive forgiveness from God. If you're visiting here with us, this is most important in your life. For the world that's around us, This is the most important thing that people need to deal with. Have I received the forgiveness from God? And it's not just something you feel or you think. You've got to go back to the Scriptures to know how to get right with God. He's laid out the plan. He's made it really clear how to be right with Him. How to be forgiven. And it's very important that you follow that plan. And then number two is we need to give it freely to others, like we talked about last week. We're going to hit some of those points again today about giving freely to others. Giving it, meaning forgiveness, to others. And then number three, a need to forgive yourself. This is a big issue for a lot of people today. They haven't forgiven themselves. These three are major areas that we need in our lives to live. And to live as free people. Not to be chained down anymore. 
And there are great consequences for not understanding forgiveness. Let's look at Hosea chapter 4. The first part of this verse, in chapter 4, verse 6, it says, My people, God is speaking to His people Israel. My people are destroyed from a lack of what? Say it again with me. People are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. They don't understand. Do you know that in the plague in Europe, back when hundreds of thousands of people died, maybe more, there was an idea that bathing was killing people. It was perpetuating the the, the plague, taking a bath. And so people stopped bathing. For a lack of knowledge, more people died. The very thing that they needed was to bathe. And more people died. Forgiveness is exactly the same. People die and hurt each other deeply because they don't understand. And their lives are destroyed. For a lack of understanding. And I hope today, today's lesson will help you from God's Word. It's not my opinion. It's not a good thought or theology. This is, this is straight from the Bible. And it's giving testimony today. It's proving itself right by people's lives and the way they live. And science is coming in and saying, oh yeah, forgiveness is important. It affects the quality of your life like we talked about last week. It affects your blood pressure. It affects your heart rate. It affects your stress levels. It affects the ability that your body has to process toxins or not. Forgiveness is big. Number one, a need to receive forgiveness from God. It's very important we hit this and that we keep our conviction as a church. How to be forgiven. If you're not right with God, If you're seeking God, how do I get right with God? When you meet someone and you're teaching them how to get right with God, it's very important. Because there's a lot of humanistic ideas out there of how people need to get forgiven. We always got to go back to the Scriptures and see what Jesus taught, what the apostles taught, and what they passed down. And I ask you today, are you in a right relationship with God? Don't assume it. I remember sitting down with my sister and she asked me that question. If you were to die tonight, where would you go? And I was very confident. Prideful, not confident. Very prideful. I said, I'd go straight to heaven. He said, are you sure? I said, I'm absolutely sure. Because I love God and He loves me. Case closed. About a month later, I started to study the Bible with my brother-in-law, her husband. And I found out I was completely wrong. I would not have gone to heaven. I would have gone straight to hell. A lot of people don't even believe in hell. It's in the Bible. It's a reality. Either you accept the Bible or you don't. You can't can't pick and choose what you want from it. You either believe in it or you don't believe in it. None of it. If you don't believe in any part of it, you can't pick and choose. Say, well, I I take only pieces. No, you reject it all. That's the way it works. That's what it means to believe. Now look at what the apostles taught the Pharisees in Acts chapter 4, verse 12 and following. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, 
but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Now, they had just healed a man. And they wanted to question him as, what power, by what authority did you heal him? He is, talking and referring to Jesus, he is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Now listen to this. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Saved from what? Saved from our sins. There's no other way to get forgiven of your sins except through Jesus. And there are a lot of humanistic teachings out there that you can do this and you can do that and you can follow this person, you can follow that person, you can follow this theology. Listen, either you accept the Bible or you reject it. This is what the Bible teaches. Jesus is the only means to forgiveness, to being forgiven. No other name, no other person, nobody else can give you the freedom that Jesus gives. Now, how do I get forgiven through Jesus? Acts chapter 2. In context, this was a sermon that the Apostle Peter preached to a group of thousands of non-Christians, people that were not yet saved, that were not yet under the covenant of Jesus, and therefore not forgiven yet. Look what Peter taught them. He's teaching them the stepping stones on how to get right with God. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. In other words, King and Messiah. God set him up as the ultimate authority in heaven and on earth. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? This statement that they made, they were cut to the heart, meaning they accepted the responsibility for Jesus' death, even though they weren't in town when it happened. They realized... My sins put Jesus on the cross. They had faith in Jesus. People throw it around very loosely. I believe in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? I believe in Jesus. I got a cross around my neck that says I believe in Jesus. Now, to believe in Jesus means you accept responsibility that your life and the way you have lived your life put Jesus on the cross. And you caused his death. That's what it means to believe in Jesus. Okay, we've got to look at the Scriptures and break it down and see what it teaches. And they were cut to the heart. And they asked, what do I got to do? Good question. Have you asked that question? See, I didn't ask that question to my sister. I assumed. I knew. But it wasn't until I sat down and looked at the Scriptures and my brother-in-law asked me, so did you ask the question? Do you know what the Bible teaches? And I go, no, I don't. And so we studied it out. Look what he read. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the what? For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of God's presence in your life from that day forward. See, this is the only place in context where the Bible teaches, I'm not in the faith, 
I'm lost and I want to get found. This is how you do it. Okay, let's, let's look at it. Let's break it down. God's plan of forgiveness for all men and women. Gender friendly. Okay? You need to hear the message correctly from the Word of God. Not somebody's opinion, somebody's idea. That's why it's important for us to listen and read the Bible for ourselves. You've got to believe in it. Like we talked about. You've got to believe the message. You've got to obey what the Bible teaches. And breaking down obey, what does that mean? You've got to repent. Peter said it. Repent and be baptized. And then you've got to confess. Confess what? Confess your sins and confess Jesus is Lord. And then number three, and we're going to get to see this in action live, right back there this afternoon. Three people have studied out the Scriptures, have come to this conclusion. They've done all these other things. They heard, they believed, and they're ready to obey. They repented, they confessed, and they will confess today Jesus is Lord, and they will be baptized right back there. You get, you get to see it. Isn't that awesome? So how important is baptism? It's very important. How important is repentance? It's very important. How important is confession? It's very important. All of these steps are extremely important. None has greater value than the other. They're all important. I ask you today, have you done this? It doesn't count as a baby. As a baby, this is a teaching that's out there. You're baptized as a baby. Probably you were not baptized as the Bible teaches. You were sprinkled. There's a big difference. The word baptism means immersed. And a baby cannot believe in Jesus. Very important. You must believe before. A baby can't repent. Repent of what? Dirty diaper? No. And it has to be an adult. The age of an adult where you understand. I get this. Okay? Now, if you need to study this out some more, I encourage you. Talk to the person who invites you. We can study it out with you. But let's take a look at this, this diagram here. I don't know how clearly you can see it, but this is what happens in baptism. Okay? According to Romans chapter 6. Paul reminded the disciples, the Christians in the church in Rome, what exactly happened when they got baptized. Okay? They heard, they believed, and then they decided to obey. But what happened is later on in their Christian life, they started to slide backwards. They started to live a sinful life, just like they did before. And and Paul goes, hey, do you know what you happened when you were baptized? How can you go back and live that old life? Don't live that old life. You were renewed. You were regenerated. God changed you. He made you a new man. You see, when you are baptized, your sins, and we'll see this in, in the Scripture in the, in the future, the guy on the left is when he is giving his confession and his good confession and his testimony of his faith, and then he is submerged. You see the line in the middle? That's the water level. When you go under the water, you're joining Jesus in the grave. And then when you're raised up out of the water, as according to Romans 6, you're resurrected to a new life. This is the instrument that God chose, not the church of Christ chose. This is the way Jesus taught it and did it himself. He taught baptism and this kind of baptism. This is the way the Bible teaches. And when you're raised up out of the water, guess what? 
raised to a new life. I ask you again, have you followed this plan? If you haven't, big question. Big question in your life about forgiveness. Now, moving on. The need to forgive people, our second point. We're going to look at this scripture, but before we do, I want you to watch this video. This is a modern day parable of what we're going to see in this scripture. Okay? 21st century style. Okay, that's what Jesus would have done when he told the parable. He, he taught about it so that the people under could understand in their life. Let's take a look. You can dim the lights. Gentlemen, I'm sure you have things you need to do, so I'll be brief. This bank has been owned and run by my family for 78 years now. There aren't many banks like us left, you know. But part of the reason that we haven't sold out is that we like being able to run this place like we think a small bank should be run. Treating people fairly, with respect compassion. For each of the last 78 years, it has been our tradition to select two of our customers and forgive their loans. So, Mr. Hamilton, on behalf of my family and the employees of this bank, I'm pleased to tell you that your outstanding equity line of $1,315.47 has been repaid for you. You do not need to make any more payments. Wow. That's really nice. Thanks. What was your name again? Jameson. Frank Jameson. And my secretary has some papers that you'll need to sign on your way out. Sure. Okay. Thanks again. It's really nice. I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. And Mr. Neely, your mortgage balance of $246,547.50. Mr. Jameson, sorry. You must have the wrong Neely. I'm Jerry Neely. Yes, that's right. Jerry and Peggy Neely, 235 Kindlewood. <laughs> it can't be right. Not us. We've been at least six months behind in the past. We're a month behind now. I'm well aware of your payment history, Mr. Neely. And as of now, that's a non-issue. But you've got to have better customers out there than us. I just don't... Jerry... I'm giving you a fairly large gift here. If I were you, I'd take it and say thank you. Thank you. Man, thank you. I don't know what to say. Enjoy your house. And tell all your friends to leave their accounts here. Oh, I will. I'll tell everybody this is the best bank anywhere. <laughs> See my secretary on the way out. You know, Mr. Jameson, you gave me and Peg a whole new life. If you ever need anything, 
So how do you like the bank? Let's, let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 7. And we're going to read this parable that Jesus taught about. I know some of you were imagining yourselves walking into your bank. Man, that would be awesome. Forgive my mortgage. Forgive all of my debt. Be like Mr. Neely. Luke chapter 7, verse 40. Jesus answered, Simon. Now he went to this Pharisee's house. Religious guy. And he shares this parable that we saw. And he says, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Two men had a money of a certain money lender. One of them owed them 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay it back. So he canceled the debt of both. Which of them loved him more? You saw it. The guy with the bigger debt, right? That's what Simon said. You have judged correctly, Jesus answered. Verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman and said, Now, this was a woman at Jesus' feet who had been forgiven of a very sinful life. She was a prostitute. And she was given forgiveness of all her sins. From the time Jesus walked in to the moment he left, she was at his feet, weeping, and washing his feet with her hair. Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman... From the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she, lo- she loved much. But he who has been forgiven of little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who forgives, who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, I want to talk about this today because when we talk about forgiving other people freely, a lot of times we're hesitant because we've forgotten our debt. You know, it would be very easy five years later for Mr. Neely to forget that debt that was canceled. The longer you are in the faith, the more you can run the risk of forgetting how much you've been forgiven of. How much forgiveness you need today from what happened this past week. Have you forgotten? Are you no longer that happy, fired up person, filled with joy, full with gratitude? And we've got to talk about this today because some of you have lost your spiritual joy. And the reason is you forgot your debt that was canceled, that will be canceled again today. I believe some of us would be more fired up about a financial debt canceled than we would our most significant debt. Let me tell you, when you die, your mortgage won't matter anymore. Your credit card debt won't matter. Now, your family members will be a little unhappy. But that's not your problem anymore. You want to know what the debt you're going to be most concerned about when you die? Is the debt that you've accumulated with God. Has that debt been canceled? 
Is it being canceled? And are you grateful for that debt being canceled? That's what Jesus was dealing with here. He went to Simon's house and he was telling him, Simon, you're not grateful. Look at the way you treat me. Look at this woman. Hey, you know what? I'm no different than that woman. I had a very, very sinful life prior to coming into the church. And even in the last 25 years, there's been sin in my life that I need forgiveness for. Don't lose your gratitude. Don't lose the motivation. The greatest motivation is your gratitude for forgiveness. We need to freely forgive it to other people. And a lot of times, if you're really grateful for what you've been given, man, you'll give it away to other people. Remember when he said, now tell people about this bank. He said, man, I'm going to tell everybody about this bank, how awesome this bank is. Are you telling people about how awesome your bank is? The bank of Jesus Christ, who canceled all your debt? Overflow of gratitude. Today is an opportunity to renew that gratitude and appreciate the forgiveness that you're given freely. But here's a problem that we have when we extend forgiveness to other people. We make forgiveness an emotional issue when clearly it's a spiritual issue. What do I mean? Forgiveness is not a feeling, but it's a decision. Well, I don't feel like forgiving him. I don't feel like forgiving her. I still feel bad. You know, around March of every year, I don't feel awesome about preparing my taxes. In fact, it's one of the most dreaded things in the year. I don't feel good about preparing my taxes. It's laborious, and sometimes I put it off because I hate it. I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. I don't feel good. Now, when I'm done, I feel good. But I do it because I need to do it. It's a decision. Forgiving people isn't something that we'd use our feelings to determine whether we do it or not. We do it because it's the right thing. We do it because it will free us and it will free other people. It's a big deal. Feelings oftentimes get in the way of forgiving and being forgiven. You know, in the beginning in the video, you saw the guy who's like, I don't get this. I'm one of your worst customers. I don't pay on time. And I'm a month late now. I don't get this. A lot of times we do that with God. I don't get this, God. Why are you forgiving me? I keep on struggling with the same thing over and over again. I haven't made enough changes. I'm not who I want to be for you. And therefore, we limit forgiveness. Or we put that stipulation on somebody else in a marriage. We'll do that. You haven't changed enough. So I won't forgive you. And that's a big deal. All because we feel things. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. Now, we're going to look at a scripture we looked at last week. Ephesians 4.26. Very key scripture to young marrieds. But I believe it applies to everybody. But we're going to look at a different translation this week. The Living Bible. It's one of those uh, funny translations. Uh, I don't subscribe to these translations all the time, but sometimes I look at them because they, they can bring something out in a verse that's different. And I always make sure, is this true to what the original text said? 
And in this case, it is. Let's look at it. The Living Bible. It says, if you're angry, don't sin by nursing a grudge. Don't let the sun go down with you still angry. Get over it quickly. For when you are angry, you will give a mighty foothold to the devil. Now, mothers, when you nurse your children, right, you're feeding that child so the child will get big and strong and grow. This scripture is talking about the same thing. When you hold a grudge and you nurse it, what do I mean by nurse it? You feed it. You think about it. You relive the hurt. You relive the pain. You play it over and over in your, in your mind. And you know what else we do? You know, we get feeling so hurt, we want to commiserate with other people. I want to come over here to Chris and say, you know, Chris, I've got some pain. Somebody here hurt me really bad. Ted. You want to know what Ted did to me? Ted did this, this, and this. Ted's a bad man. See, I think that's going to make me feel better. So I'm nursing my grudge by explaining it to him. This is what we do. We share our hurt and our pain with other people. We think, well, what's the good therapy? Do you think that's therapeutic for him? Why would you share something? He's not, he doesn't know Ted and he doesn't know what Ted happened. Why would I share that about Ted with Chris so that Chris can now have a bad attitude and it grows? Guess what I just did? I'm nursing my grudge. We oftentimes relive the, the way we're going to, and we'll play it out in our mind. You know, some of us are great story playwriters. And we should do movies. Because we'll write a script in our mind of how we're going to make revenge on them. Payback. The Punisher. Now, we could write a great movie right for how we're going to make that person pay. Now, we'll never do it, but we think it. And guess what we're doing? We're nursing a grudge. If you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, this scripture is telling you, get over it. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. You let it go. I believe as a culture, we're too feelings-based. Hey, feelings make great servants, but terrible masters. When you've got your feelings under control, and you tell your feelings what to do and how and when, man, they're a good thing. You can experience joy. You know? But when they rule you, some of you walked in here today with a bad attitude. Why? Because you decided? No, because your, your emotions tell you how to live. Some of you wake up in the morning and you're like, I'm happy today. And then the next day you wake up, I'm mad. Why? Because you felt it. Instead of deciding, no, I will not feel this way. Feelings need to be harnessed and they need to be trained to do what we tell them to do. When we tell them to do. This is big. Get over it quickly. Why? Because we give the devil a foothold. Do you know that the devil wants you and will offer to you 
you know, as a lunch plate this afternoon. Here, think about this. And Ted, remember Ted. Every time you see Ted. Sorry, Ted. Every time you see him, you can, mmm. But we, we need to, this point here, the longer you're angry, the greater the opportunity you will sin. And the greater the sin. So don't be angry a long time. Get over it. Decide. I'm not going to be angry. It's not worth it. I'm going to let it go. Let's look at some more verses. We talked, looked at this last week. Isaiah 43, verse 25. God speaks of Himself. I, even I, am He who blots out your, sin, your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Why does God forgive? For whose sake? No, not for your sake. For whose sake? His sake. That's what it's saying. Could you imagine if God sat there in heaven and stewed on all your sins? You want to go to heaven? I don't. That's not who God is. God doesn't stew on sin. He's ready, willing, and able. He wants to forgive you. He has a predisposition to forgive you. He wants to. Quickly. God does it for His own sake. Guess what forgiveness is for us? For our own sake. Please don't describe to me the reason why you can't forgive. Look at yourself in the mirror. Aren't you worth it to forgive? Doesn't your life mean more to you as a healthy, happy life? Forgiving other people and not letting their sin ruin your life? In the Midwest, there was a church service and the minister was finishing the service. True story. He's finishing the service and he always finished his, his lessons by asking the people, what will you do today to lift the lid on your faith? So people started sharing at the end. They'd stand up and they'd share. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to change this and I'm going to start fresh and I'm going to be this. And then a woman stood up in the very back of the service and she said, "Uh, I'm visiting here and I've decided today to forgive someone. You've heard of him. He's a serial killer and he killed my daughter five years ago. And I've decided today to forgive him. All the other things that people were sharing were insignificant. Because that was big. Why did she decide to do that? For her own sake. We looked at a video last week about a young man forgiving his father for murdering his mother. His father killed. It's a story, but the point is, why did he do that? For his own sake. Forgiveness is not for someone else's sake. It's for your sake. God does it for His sake. And He's teaching you to forgive for your sake. Quickly! Don't nurse a grudge. Don't keep it. Let it go. Don't base your life on feelings. Base your life on decisions, right decisions. This is the kind of teaching we get from the Bible. 
What you're going to get from the world is touchy-feely. Stuff that's always changing. The wisdom of this world is, is stupidity and it's always changing. This is good. This is good. This is right. And it changes. This never changes. It's rock solid. Try it. Live it. It will change your life. Can you imagine that woman and how her life changed from that point on? Now, last week I was, I was asked the question, what about feelings? You can forgive, but you don't forget. Is forgiving meaning forgetting? Now, you're not always going to forget stuff. But you don't have to feel what you remember. And you can let it go. Our memories also can be great servants, our terrible masters when they're negative and when they rule your mind. People are going to hurt us in life. And sometimes a lot of people. But we have to choose. There's two things we are not created to handle well. Any idea? Two things we don't handle well. We're not created to handle them well. One of them we're talking about today, forgiveness. The other one is what? Worry. We're not created to handle these two things. Soon we're going to do a lesson on worry. How God wants us to handle worry and take care of it. But we're not created to handle these two things well. It messes with us. They've done tests. Your heart rate, your blood pressure is affected by worry. You know, if they put a catheter on you and watch your heart level, and just by a simple, you know, a game, come in and tell you, hey, your house is on fire. You don't even have to know if it's fact or fiction or something else is close to you. It'll affect your heart rate. You'll watch it. Worry does that. How much does worry affect us? And forgiveness is the exact same. Unforgiveness. It affects you. But God has to be the one to teach us the way out. It affects these areas. How important is forgiveness? It affects your prayer life. It affects your worship. It affects your faith slash hope. You can't live a hopeful life because you're too chained down to your, the things that are holding you back. You haven't been forgiven or you're not forgiving. It affects your relationships. How many relationships are paralyzed because of a lack of forgiveness? And it affects our freedom. Like I said in the beginning, how tragic it would be to live in this country, a free country, and still not be free. I dare say that many of us today are not free because we don't understand and we don't live out forgiveness. So I want this to provoke some good talks among us. Okay, so you can talk through what is it and how is it. Psalm 103, awesome scripture. Psalm 103, verse 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all His benefits. Who forgives some of your sins. Is that what it says? All of your sins. And heals all your diseases. And who redeems your life from the pit. I'm a witness of this. And we've got a lot of witnesses here today. God pulled us out of a pit. Do you remember the pit? Remember how deep and dark it was? Do you remember? Have you forgotten? He forgives us of all of our sins. Point here is forgiveness is what? Unconditional. What do I mean by this? 
If we give a condition for forgiving someone, then it's not forgiveness. Let me give an example. In a marriage, I'll forgive you if you change. That's not forgiveness. Remember the time when Peter, last week we talked about it, we looked at the scripture, he came to Jesus and said, Jesus, how many times was we forgive our neighbor? Seven times? And he was trying to get a brownie point or a star for his good. I was pretty high up there. Seven times in one day. Jesus said seven times 70. Meaning it's unconditional. It's an open check. We cannot put conditions on forgiveness. You can't tell somebody, I'll forgive you if. There can be no if. That's not forgiveness. God forgives. And then he teaches us how to change. But the forgiveness forgiveness is, is canceled. It's unconditional. That's true forgiveness. And we can't put those, especially in a marriage. If you forgive, you forgive. You don't hang on. You let it go. And listen to all it says here. And he heals all you. He crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, what if you're not old? What if you're not young anymore? It could still renew you and make you youthful in here. Isn't that awesome? I know people that are pretty far along and they're pretty fired up because of God's principles. Not because of their physical state and how they look and how they walk and how they talk. No, it's because of who they are before God. What a blessing. Colossians, and this is the scripture we're going to use for our communion. When you were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave you of some of your sins. Now, you're not following along some of you. You've got to catch that. He forgave, what's the word? All of your sins. All of them. Having canceled the written code of its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us, He took it away, nailing it on the cross. When they crucified people in the first century, and you'll read about it in the, in, in the, in the New Testament, they put a sign up above their cross, on the top of the cross. What was Jesus' crime for being crucified? I'm sorry? King of the Jews. When you take the communion, I want you to visualize this. This is what this scripture is saying. When Jesus died, the sign about your life, what you had done, what you have lived, that went up there. Your name and all the things. Man, some of us would need a billboard sign on that cross. Because there's a lot of stuff. God nailed that to the cross. And Jesus died for that. You can't kill someone for claiming to be king of the Jews. Why did Jesus die? Your sign. Your name goes up on the cross. And he nailed it to the cross. Jesus died for you. All of you. Individually. He died for you and 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 you, every single one of us. But it has to be something that you accept individually. When you take the communion today, How will you leave here? Like Mr. Neely? Fired up? My debt's been canceled. I'm free now. Are you going to leave like the other gentleman? 
Oh, that's really nice. Thanks a lot. Not that big of a debt. Matthew chapter 5. We looked at this last week. We're going to race through these. Therefore, if you're offering your gift, and this is the this is the key to forgiveness, the pattern of forgiveness. If you're offering your gift at the altar and therefore remember and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. There's a pathway to forgiveness. You have to be willing to take responsibility for two areas. If you've done somebody else wrong, you've got to go and get reconciled. And if they've done you wrong, you're going to wait around until they come to you? Uh-uh. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's a, it's a double responsibility that we have. If we've hurt people, we need to go and reconcile ourselves to them. And if they've hurt us, we need to be the initiators with them. That's the pathway to forgiveness. The pathway to freedom. Mark 11, verse 24 and 25. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold what? All right, let's say this together. Anything against anyone. Say it with me. Anything against anyone. That's big. Anything against anyone. Forgive. Well, he hurt me. He hurt me. No. You need to get reconciled because for your sake, you want to be right. And what if they don't change? Doesn't matter. For your sake, forgive them. Boy, this is huge. If you can come away with one thing today, the power in forgiveness and how it will set you free in your life. Jesus is not harboring bad attitudes about the way He was crucified in heaven. And it was horrible. He's free. Why? Because before He died, what did He say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He practiced what He preaches. He forgave. Will you follow Jesus? If you say yes, then you must follow and forgive. Anyone of anything. Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won over your brother. Now, there are people that don't forgive you. You can ask them for forgiveness and they won't forgive you. What do you do with that? That's their problem. Romans 12 talks about that. 12:18. as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. There are people that do not live by our standards of forgiveness. And they will not forgive you. They will harbor a grudge. They'll nurse a grudge. You can try to help them, but it's on them. It's their responsibility. That is the consequence for living outside of Christ. That's their decision to live by their feelings and to live by the pattern of this world. If they don't forgive you and they don't want to forgive you, that's their issue. Your responsibility, as far as it depends on you, means you go and you do your best to forgive and to be forgiven. The rest is on everybody else. We can't live as prisoners to peace pills, emotional roller coaster rides. It's on them. And we don't do that pridefully. We do it in great humility and in self-control. All I can do is ask for forgiveness. But what if the feeling comes back? 
It's kind of like writing a check. You write it and you give it. Give it. Sometimes we're going to have to replay in our minds, I forgive. When the, the feelings come back, the hurt comes back, I forgive. I let it go. I'm letting it go. I'm releasing it. I'm relieving it. I cast it away. Whatever you have to do. And then the last point here is forgive yourself. God, if He forgives you, who are you not to forgive yourself? Who are you to hold on to stuff that you've done? Your guilt. Does it make you feel better? Does it make you feel more noble? Does it make you a better man or woman to not forgive yourself? Does it give you a merit badge or a medal? It's foolish. And you need to decide today. There are people that have done some horrific things in their life. And they've accepted God's forgiveness. Because it was offered. There's no nobility in a lack of forgiveness in your life. We need to let it go. And Hebrews 12 talks about that. See to it that no one misses what? The grace of God or the forgiveness of God. See that nobody misses it. Why? Because, and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. I have seen whole churches destroyed by a lack of forgiveness. The place that's supposed to be a place of grace and forgiveness, of new beginnings, of life, of freedom, torn apart. Because they missed the grace. I've seen individuals in our church shipwreck their faith and their lives. Because they nursed a grudge and they wouldn't let it go. And they lost everything. And they will lose the most important thing they, they have in their whole life, their salvation. What a crime. What a tragedy. Everybody that's here today, I charge to you, practice and live forgiveness. It will save you. And it will protect the people around you. Parents with their children. When they don't forgive themselves and they don't forgive, they pass it down to their children. And they learn, their children learn this habit of, of her, her, her harboring a grudge. Why would you do that? You want to pass down something good to your children, not something bad. Pass down forgiveness so that it will not defile them. Forgiveness is at the root of many people's problems and of many of our problems in our lives. I know people that are sick, physically sick. Because they've got stuff in their lives that they're not letting go. It affects you. And let's go to God in prayer. And a reminder before we take communion. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave you of all your sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulation that was against us and stood that opposed to us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. I want you today, when you take the communion, to visualize Jesus on the cross with your name, your sign, above. And that you will accept the forgiveness. Whatever it is you've done this week, put it up there and let it go. And again, if you hold anything against anyone, don't take the communion today. Get reconciled first. Then come back 
take the communion. That's how serious it is. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for your word that teaches us how to live. Thank you for the treasure that it is in our lives. We pray.